Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. I apologize for the heat. I know it's 95 degrees. It's, it's part of the essence of Christianity. We're trying to get you as close to hell as possible. Maybe you'll accept Christ. Kidding, we're in a collection of talks called Christians Gone Wild. And uh, every year we do a, collection, a, a talk through two books because you need the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And this book is all about how do you follow Jesus in a jacked up world. Come on. And uh, normally I have a three-point sermon. Today I got five, so I apologize. We're going to be here till 8 o'clock. You'll be fanning yourself till tomorrow morning. But if you see the scriptures on the screen, somebody shout amen. amen. No temptation. Someone say no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I want to speak around this subject, the test of temptation. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for this test? Now turn to the other neighbor that you forsake in church. Say, I apologize. Are you ready for this test? I'm just believing, I've been praying all week, believing that God's going to bring some people who haven't been in church in a long time, that God's going to break some habits, he's going to break some addictions. You, you walked in broken, you're going to leave out whole. You walked in addicted, you're going to walk out free. I'm just believing God's going to shake some things today. Let me just pray before we begin. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the chain breaker. We're believing that you're going to do something mighty among us, God. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And if you believe that everybody said, amen. amen. I want to speak to you about addiction today. I want to use myself as an example. I was 11 years old when one of my high school buddies invited me over to his house. And he had a, a brown box underneath his arms that, guys, you will not believe what I found in my father's closet. We had no idea what he was talking about. And he began to show us his dad's dirty magazines. And imagine as an 11-year-old, I'm having this rush, seeing things I've never seen before. And what I did not realize was, was that was the beginning of a 15-year addiction. And that, that addiction took more than I was willing to admit. It took joy. It took my peace. It took years from my marriage. It took years from my ministry. And I think there are some, some of you in this room that, that you have addictions that you would love to break. You have habits that you cannot change. And you understand this idea that there are some things that you, you just can't shake. And maybe for some of you, your habit is, is alcohol. And you drink not just on weddings and parties. You drink on every day that ends in why. Come on. And it's not just one drink, it's, it's multiple drinks a day, and you have a problem. And for some of you, it's weed. And, and instead of coming to Jesus, the guy who gives peace, who surpasses understanding, you go to another guy who gives you peace, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and you can't imagine not smoking weed because of the anxiety that it removes, and you have a problem. For some of you, it's painkillers. You had surgery, and you took medication to numb the pain, but the pain is gone now, and you still take the medication because you're trying to numb your soul. Some of you, 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 you gamble, and it's fan duels on fantasy football starting in two months. Anybody excited for fantasy football? I'm excited. But your wife doesn't know you lost $1,000 last year. Come on. And you have this gambling problem that no one knows about, and it's a problem. For some of you, it's food. Come on. Have you, anybody excited when the red light goes on at Krispy Kreme? Come on. Some of you, 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 you door dash Krispy Kreme from your couch. And you don't eat when you're hungry, you eat when you're overwhelmed. 
Because there's not a hole in your stomach, there's a hole in your soul, and you're trying to fill it with food. And for some of you, it's a cell phone, and you, you, you sleep with it under your pillow because it's not your cell phone, it's, it's my precious. <laughs> and you look like Gollum, the way you hold that thing and never let it go. God forbid your cell phone dies of batteries. You, you, you have a panic attack. And most psychiatrists say there's this new phenomenon called phantom cell phone syndrome where you check your phone 200 times a day because you think it's going off, but it's not really because you have this symptom, this, this immediate response. you got to look, and it's a problem. For some of you, it's money. You, you buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like with money you don't have. And the last administration and this administration gave you stimulus money, and it stimulated more spending. Come on. Instead of paying down debt, you, you bought more stuff you didn't need. We would never know that you're broke by the, the clothes that you wear and the, how fresh your shoes are. <laughs> but you're broke. And for some of you, it's, it's a sexual addiction. One in four of you have a sexual addiction, which is why this verse is so hopeful. Anybody want hope today? Amen? First Corinthians chapter 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, God, mankind. And God is faithful. Someone say, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. God is so good. God is so faithful that even when you walk away, even when you make poor decisions, even when you get addicted, he doesn't say, figure it out. Come on, buttercup, suck it up. God is so faithful, he makes a way when you get addicted. He makes a way even though you're not faithful. God is faithful. Someone say, God is faithful. I'm not sure about you, but I'm more excited than you are. Come on, help me preach this sermon. Our God is faithful, and he provides a way out even when we get addicted, even when we didn't deserve it. And I love that this verse is talking about that there's a consistent way to get out of the temptation. The best way to explain this is, uh, has anyone ever been to an escape room? Come on, I need audience participation, escape room. If you've never been, it's scary, it's kind of demonic. You walk into a room, and they lock the door. And we, my friends and I, we went to one in the East Bay, and uh, what I thought was one room turned into three rooms. Come on. This was, I was freaking out. I'm like, what do you mean there's another room? And then we solve it, and then there's another room. I'm like, this is crazy. This is like trickery. What, what are you doing? And, and, and in every room, there's cameras, there's TV screens, and the guy's talking to us, telling us, like, where to go. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, why are there so many? Why, are you, why do you have to watch? Why can't I have fun by, by myself, by my friends? And I remember asking the guy after we were done, like, why are there cameras in every room? He's like, sometimes people need hints. Sometimes people need help. I'm like, do people steal stuff? He's like, no, 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 no. Most of the time we have to have cameras because we have some stubborn people who think they have the right code to open the door. And they start hitting it. I have to go over the mic. Excuse me, sir. Chill out. That's not the code. And I think it's a perfect picture of what temptation's like. So many of you have an addiction, and you want to pound your way out of it. You want to self-discipline your way out of it. You want to self-will your way out of an addiction, out of temptation. But the same way that you get out of an escape room is with the right answer is the same way you get out of temptation. I wrote it down like this. The escape of temptation is not self-discipline. The escape of temptation is the right answer. How do I know this? Because Jesus did not just die as our substitute. He lived as our example. After he was being fasting for 40 days, the, the, the enemy, the serpent, the Lakers fan, came and met Jesus in the wilderness. Thank God no one is wearing a Lakers jersey today because everyone here is spirit-filled. Yeah, I'm, I'm going there. And Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you're really the son of God, 
If you're really God in the flesh, strike these rocks and make it bread. And Jesus does not drop kick Jesus, doesn't pile drive Satan, doesn't like cast him out. He gives him the right answer. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the, bre- the mouth of God. And then Satan takes Jesus to the top of the mountaintop, says, see all the nations of the world? All of them belong to me. If you just bow down, I'll give them to you. And Jesus doesn't kick Satan down the mountain. He doesn't arm wrestle him and win. He gives him the right answer, that I will serve the Lord and worship him alone. And some of you need to realize the way out of temptation is the right answer, which is why Jesus says in John 8, verse 44, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Some of you speak English. Some of you speak Spanish. Some of you speak Ebonics. We love you. Satan, though, speaks, has one language, and that's lies. For he is a liar and the father of lies. If the devil is the one tempting you, that means every temptation is built on the foundation of a lie, which is why Jesus says in John 8, verse 32, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're not set free by your strength, by your willpower, or by your self-discipline. You're set free by the truth. And what I want to do this morning, this evening, it's 5 o'clock, is I want to give you the five lies that Satan gives you. And this is an open book test. Don't worry. I'm going to give you the five answers on how to be free. Are you guys ready to be free? Yeah. You want to break some addictions? You're, you're ready to have some freedom? Amen? Amen? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Let me just pause and sidetrack. This is exactly what the deconstructionists say. Did God really say? Did God really say? You must not eat from any. Someone say Any. You must not eat from any tree in the garden. I need you to see the tactic of the enemy. Look what he does. The woman said to the serpent, we may, not, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Do not miss the tactic of the enemy. He is trying to get Eve's eyes off all that she has, greens, beans, potatoes, you name it, she has it. And on the one thing she doesn't have, from her blessing to her lack, from what she was given to what she was not given. And this is the lie of the enemy. You do not have what you want. If Satan is playing chess, his opening chess move is to create a deficit in your heart. And when a deficit gives birth, it gives way to desire, and desire gives birth to sin. And the, the, the tactic of the enemy is not for you to focus on what you have, but focus on what you don't have. And the power of this lie, you got to realize, it is a partial truth. Some of you don't drive a Tesla. Your car will not be featured on Pit My Ride. It will be featured on Pray For My Ride. Come on. You don't make five figures or six figures. You, you, you have a part-time job. You, you don't have the job that you want, the pay that you want. Some of you are single, ready to mingle. Any single people in the house today? Look around, see what you're working with. Come on, you're welcome. But your desire, come on, your desire is to be married, but you're not. And the partial lie is a, the partial truth is a total lie. So how do I overcome this, Pastor Ali? Here's the truth. You want to write this down? If you're taking notes today in church, you're more likely to go to heaven. They say that. What's the percentage? 95%. So if you're not taking notes, you want to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. The truth is this. The answer, but I have what I need. But I, Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all my needs according to the riches of his glory. Amen? I don't have what I want, but I have what I need. 
Uh, any parents in the room today? Any parents of two kids? Pray for these. These were mental stress after COVID. Pray for us. And if there's any law that I want to put into effect is that in-laws are not allowed to buy kids, two of them. If you have two kids, different toys. I have to be very careful because my mother-in-law is in the room. <laughs> but I'm still upset sometimes because she'll come over and she'll buy different gifts. My, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And it's like World War III sometimes in my house. And at my three-year-old, I don't know where she got this from. See, the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy. My three-year-old will punch, shove, and snatch. It's different. She'll push you over. She'll steal the toy. I've never hit this three-year-old ever. I don't know where she got this from. And for four months in our home, it was honestly, our prayers changed. It, it was like crazy. We, we didn't know if we are going to give up this girl for adoption. We didn't know if we like, lock her in the room. Like, you, you, until your prayer change, you're just complaining. And let me just tell you, when life gets too hard, kneel. Come on. So we're praying for this girl, and for four months, it was chaotic in our home because they were fighting all the time, especially over the same toy. And then we, we had some relief. Back in January, everyone in my house got COVID. We all got sick. I was for like 12 hours, my poor wife for seven days in bed, the kids for like five days, and the fighting stopped. I'm like, I'm going to win the award for best dad. Come on. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. Come on. I'm going to put out parenting. I'm going to teach the whole church how to parent their family. Give it three days after they all got better, and the fighting began again. And I realized all that happened was the sickness removed the opportunities. How many of you know I'm talking about? When my daughter did not see the toy, she did not desire the toy. You need to realize, I wrote down like this, temptation is not a feeling, although it is a feeling. It is a focus. It is a focus before it's a feeling. And my question is, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what you have or are you focusing on what you don't have? Are you focusing on your singleness or are you focusing on that you're, you're alive and in America? And I know gas is $6 and at least you're not riding a bike. Come on. And some of you, I should be very blunt and challenge you. Are you focused on your wife, the model of mercy, the one who has loved you, been patient with you, and given you what you didn't deserve? Many men in this room, if you're humble, you'll say you married up. Any husband readily say that, I married up. Come on. Or are you focused on that Instagram model who has been paintbrushed, photoshopped, and spray painted her face to look good on Instagram? What are you focused on? On what you have? or on what you don't have. Some of you need to realize, I have a lot more than I realized. Eve had any tree in the garden, but the enemy first put a deficit in her heart. Lie number two, let's keep going. Genesis 3, verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Here's the second lie, and you need to realize it's this. You will not die. Just eat the fruit. Just take one more hit. Just one more drink, just one more website, just one more flirty text, just one more flirty conversation, just one more night, just one date, just one night with the buddies, just one more time won't kill you. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe, that one more will not kill you. And it's a partial truth. And part of it is, it, the Satan, he told, he, his truth, what he lied, it partly was true. Because Adam and Eve, when they did sin, they didn't die immediately. So is Satan telling the truth? No, but Jesus was talking in spiritual realities. Satan was talking in physical realities. 
When God said you will die, he was talking spiritually, which is why in Ephesians says that, but you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive. What does that mean? God does not make bad people good. Listen, he makes dead people come alive. This room is not filled with good people, but forgiven people. And he makes us come alive spiritually, not physically. Christianity is not about morality. It's about forgiveness of sin. And Satan, he is a partial lie. How do you overcome this lie? Write this down. But it's going to kill me slowly. It's going it's to kill you slowly. This is what he doesn't want you to believe. My wife and I, when we first got married, like a tricksy little hobbit, she did three things that I was not prepared for. The first one, she went to my closet and threw away all the clothes that she didn't like. I'm like, well, why didn't you say anything when we were dating? She's like, I'm your wife now. You have to listen. And I, I'm, I'm, there's a pile of clothes I had to give Goodwill. Second thing she got rid of. She got rid of all the furniture that were hand-me-downs. Come on. I'm like, it's free 99. It doesn't match. It has to go. And the third thing she did, months into our marriage, she got rid of all the chemicals in our bathroom, all the chemicals in our house. I remember one time in our first year, she came home with all-natural deodorant. There's nothing more demonic than natural deodorant. Listen, that stuff, I've never seen people wipe leaves on their armpits and have that stuff work. Come on. That, that, why do we sell this stuff? This, is, this should be treason for this stuff. She's like, aluminum's going to kill you. I'm like, at least I won't smell bad. What are you talking about? This doesn't work. What broke the camel's back for me? When I, I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I went to the dryer, opened up, took our sheets. I got electrocuted. I'm like, honey, why is there static electricity? She's like, oh, I got rid of the dryer sheets. I was like, with what? And she showed me these wool balls. I was like, what does this do? She's like, this is all natural. This is better for us. I'm like, are you sure these work? Yes. Have you ever tried to sleep in bed sheets that have static electricity? Listen, I'm not trying to shame myself, but I'm Middle Eastern. We have hair everywhere. Okay? I laid down, and it was like I was levitating off the bed. No, keep laughing. This is why I'm in therapy. Come on, please. I'm like, this is not working, honey. This, this all-natural thing you're trying to do is it's all demonic. It's not working. And God bless my wife. She goes all, when she goes in, she goes all in, right? Because she knows it's not the things that will kill you immediately. It's the things that will kill you slowly. See, Satan, he doesn't want you to realize that. Temptation does not kill you the first day you watch that video. It doesn't kill you the first time you smoke that wheat, the first time you take that painkiller, the first time you gamble. The goal of temptation is not to kill you. It's to get you addicted so that it does kill you eventually. I wrote down like this. You might not die right away, but when you give in to temptation, when you make that poor choice, it will kill your integrity. And when your integrity dies, your peace dies. And when your peace dies, your mental health dies. And when your mental health dies, your joy dies. And when your joy dies, listen, your relationship with God dies. It does not mean that God loves you less. It means that you love God less because you're the one walking away. Can I give you some good news? If my giving into temptation causes me to walk away from God, then obedience causes me to come back. Come on. Some good news. My wife, even though she's this all-natural woman, there's a drawer in our house that if you need a vitamin, it's going to be found in there. A, B, C, D, any letter of the alphabet that you need. I'm telling you, yeah, she's hiding because I'm telling you, we, we need to start our own pharmaceutical company right now. Any, anytime I'm sick, just take, take your vitamins. No, that's why. That's why you're sick. 
In the same way that she believes every day you take vitamins, it's going to pay off in the same way. Some of you need to come to church when you don't feel like it. Some of you keep praying. Just one more prayer. Just one more devotion. Just one more surrender to God. One more time serving the church. One more time giving an offering to God. One more time coming back to the house. If temptation causes me to walk away, then obedience will cause me to come back. First lie is you don't have what you want. Second lie is it won't kill you but I have what I need, and your way is going to kill me slowly. Are you ready for line number three? Genesis chapter three, verse five. For God knows, this is the serpent talking. For God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good. Someone say knowing good. Knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, not bad. He's trying to sell her something good. He's trying to give her something that she wants, something good. And it was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also, some, she also gave some to her husband who was playing video games and not walking out his calling. That's just my translation. <laughs> she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Notice that the enemy is trying to give good things to her. The enemy... He, he knows you're smart. If he, he tries to give you evil, you won't say yes. So what he does, his tactic is to make wrong look like it's right. And here's the lie. Write this down. To justify it. You will, this is when you begin to justify things you're doing, you know you're, you're falling to his tactic. Can I speak to the people who work in this room for a crazy boss who underpays you and overworks you? This is where you, you clock in a little early, you clock out a little late to get a little bit, because you're not paying. You deserve that extra pay. You take a stapler home. You watch Netflix at work sometimes. Why? Because he's not paying you what you think you deserve, so you're taking back what you think you deserve. And all you've done is you're, taking, you're, you're doing wrong, but you're justifying it. I deserve this. What about all the fellows in this room? If I can get a little bit more serious. You know when men are most likely to cheer on their spouses? When their spouse is pregnant. Crazy, right? It's when he wants sex the most and is not getting it. So he justifies it. I have needs. I, I deserve sex. I'm going to die without sex. Can I tell you how many times I've heard that? Imagine if that was actually true. You're at work, on your computer. Allie, did you hear about Bob? No, what happened? He exploded. <laughs> was there a bomb? No. The forensic scientist says he didn't have sex. <laughs> why, why do we think we're going to die if we don't have sex? It's this lie. We justify it. How about... How about something a little bit more lighter? How about cheat day? I, I ate good for six days. Some of you are, are here for barbecue. It's cheat day. But cheat day comes into cheat weekend, which becomes cheat month, which becomes 2023 goals. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> how do you overcome this lie? Write this down. I will never escape what I excuse. You can find freedom or you can make excuses. You can't do both. My wife before... She was a pastor. She was a professional wedding photographer. She's definitely the cooler one in the relationship. She's all natural, but she's still cooler than me. From a very young age, though, she's been collecting film cameras. She has like seven or eight of them. Some of them are worth thousands of dollars. Some of them are worth like 20 bucks. And what we wanted to expose our daughter is to give her a film camera. Like let her start taking film cam, like not Polaroid where it comes out immediately, but like, like, like wind it and then take it to a store. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Like growing up, you take 20 pictures that you didn't know what they looked like, and then you went to a store, dropped them off, and then you went home, and then a week later you went back. Some of you, that sounds like hell to some of you. That was like 
elementary school for me. And we're trying to expose our daughter to this like pattern of taking film pictures. And we told her, like, this camera is really old and really special. Put it on the dresser where it's high enough where you can reach it, but high enough the three-year-old, Chug Chug, who punches, shoves, and snatches that one, won't be able to reach it. Because if she grabs it, she's going to break it in two seconds. One time, my wife and I go out to uh, a, a dinner date, and we come home, and immediately we see the camera on the counter broken. And, of course, I'm the drama king. I lose it. Oh, my gosh. We can never trust you again, Sophia. And she had the perfect answer. Dad, it's not my fault. So any parents, like your kids are talking back, and you're like, double question. Like, am I in the right? Like, what, what's going on? And so I'm, I'm telling them, like, what do you mean it's not your fault? She's like, I didn't break it. Zoe did. I'm like, but whose fault is it? Did you put it back on the dresser? She's like, no. I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. You have to face the consequences. We're going to have to take this camera away. Some of you are like, you're an abusive dad. No, 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 no. Listen, what I was trying to do is get my daughter to be introspective and realize the mistake that she made. Otherwise, she would have made the same mistake again and again and again. If I could just be very blunt, I am exhausted listening to some of your excuses of the 20 and 30-year-olds in this room. Some of you have not lived with your parents in two decades, and you're still talking about the childhood that you grew up in. Excuses. Some of you talk about how angry your boss is. Find another one. Some of you make excuses for the life that you live. You can make excuses or you can escape, but you can't do both. You can't do both. And when you make excuses, all you're doing is giving in to the lie of the enemy. Lie number four is a little bit different than the first three. It's a subtle lie. It's sometimes you lie by what you say. Sometimes you lie by what you don't say. Husbands, you're going to agree with me for a moment. Any, any husbands ha- have this experience. Your wife walks in the room, has a new dress on. How do I look? Do I look fat? And a young Padawan will tell the truth and spend the next week on the couch. A Jedi master will say, honey, you always look good. Single fellows, that's, that's always the answer. You look good in everything. And this is the lie of the enemy. It's not that he, he, he lied in what he said. He lied in what he didn't say. He said, if you eat from this tree, your eyes will be open. It's going to be a good thing. You're going to know who God is. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. But he didn't tell him what was fully going to happen from that mistake. And here is the lie. This only affects you. This is about your pleasure. This is about you having fun. This is about you getting high. This is about you drinking. This is about you watching porn. This is about you taking painkillers. This only affects you. I cannot tell you how many couples have come to Pastor Yaz and I where the husband is defending his addiction, saying, this is only about me. And his crying spouse says, no, it affects everyone, me and the kids. And this is the lie that the enemy wants to tell you, that this only affects me. My wife, last story about my kids. Thank God I have kids. Super great sermon illustrations. <laughs> but my wife is 10 times the parent that I am. And I often try to work harder in parenting. She likes to work smarter. Anybody know John Maxwell? He has this awesome leadership principle called I do, you watch. And then you do, I watch. And then you do, you, boo-boo. Come on. <laughs> so my, daughter, my wife began to train my five-year-old daughter how to take a shower. Watch, this is how I put soap on. Now, next time, you're going to do it. 
By the third time, our six-year-old was bathing herself. Not only that, we rewarded her if she would bathe the three-year-old at the same time. (laughs) This is like world-class parenting. I don't know how we tricked this five-year-old to do this. But after the shower, what we also do is teach them how to put lotion on. So they're in the bedroom, about to put on their pajamas, putting on lotion, and then we, I hear bloody murder. I walk into the room, the three-year-old, the one that punches you, pushes you over, her face is white. White with lotion. Daddy, it's in my eyes. And I, I'm, I lose it. I'm like, you're never, you're never going to use mommy's lotion again. I'm the drama queen. Pray for me. And my six-year-old, she goes, Daddy, that's not fair. I didn't do anything wrong. And I had two seconds to super spiritualize the situation. I said, I need to teach you, both of you, that when you make mistakes, it affects everyone in this family. (laughs) And it's true. Your choices, the decisions that you make, your temptations do not just affect you. They affect everyone. Let me tell you all the single ladies in this room. Do not just give your heart to a guy that's cute. Ask him, are you dangerous to love? If I give you my heart, will your addictions break it? Because it's not just your brokenness. It's going to affect me. I can't tell you how many times I had to address the brokenness in my family. Let me show you this picture of my father. If it's up there. I know it's difficult to see, but he's the guy in the middle with the cane. He is 81 years old and May. This picture is from May 2021. He got received Christ as an 80-year-old and got baptized in this church. Don't tell me he won't do it. Come on. What's sad or joyful, whatever you want to describe it, May of 2022, which was just two months ago, I actually held his hand in Kaiser and said goodbye as he passed from this life to the next. Thank God he accepted Christ before he transitioned. But what was so great about his baptism was also bittersweet because in his hospital room, he had brothers calling him, family members calling him, and he didn't want to speak to them. See, there's this broken pattern in my family that there's this spirit of offense, I call it, that you offended me, you did something wrong to me, and I'm going to cut you out of my life. My dad actually didn't speak to his brother for a decade because he was so offended. And this was not just like something my dad did. This is something my uncles did. This is something my grandparents did. And if I'm being very honest with you, this is something that I found myself doing. For two years, my father and I didn't speak because I was so offended at the way he raised me. My dad, God bless him, did the best that he could. But as a child growing up, he was physically and verbally abusive. And so much so that I just had enough. And for two years, we didn't speak. And I remember when I first became a Christian, God began to address the unforgiveness, that spirit of offense that I had in my heart. I said, God, he doesn't deserve forgiveness. And God so clearly said, and neither do you. And I said, God, I have irreconcilable differences against him. And God said, I have those against you too. And I loved you anyway, Sally. Give him what he doesn't deserve because I gave you what you didn't deserve. And I began to reconcile with my father. I began to break that generational pattern. And some of you in this room, you don't realize your alcohol addiction, your uncles have dealt with it. Your your grandparents have dealt with it. And God wants to break that brokenness over you. Your addiction, the enemy wants to lie. This is just between me, myself, and I. No, this is a family thing. This is a generational thing. Adam and Eve had no clue that when they sinned, all of their children would be affected by their brokenness. 
Let your brokenness end with you. Let that generational pattern end with you. God wants to give you freedom. God wants to give you deliverance. You may have walked in broken, but in the name of Jesus, you're going to walk out free. If you believe that, come on. Someone give God an amen. This last lie, though, in my opinion, is, is, the, is the one that's the most painful. Because the, the first three motivate you to do something. This one paralyzes you in fear. Genesis 3, verse 23. Says, so the Lord, if I get the worship team to come up. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim. What's that? Just an angel with a sword and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. If you want to get baptized, now is the time to go get changed. Let me tell you why this is so important. Why is God this loving father who's faithful? Why is he kicking his kids out? What, what kind of dad does that? In the same, it's the same dad who puts an outlet plug on the outlet so their two-year-olds don't stick their finger in it. He's protecting his children because they're in sin. And if they eat this tree, they're going to live eternity apart from him. Eternity in sin. God's removing them so that he can save them. He's kicking them out so that he can rescue them. Sometimes you have to have some pain now so you can be delivered from that brokenness tomorrow. This is not a, an act of, oh, I'm so over you. This is God, I got a plan. I'm going to send my son one day to come die for you. And the lie is this. Imagine Adam and Eve. Here's the lie. You will never, dot, dot, dot. Imagine Adam and Eve. They're walking out the garden. Taco Bell was free every day. They had anything, they had free Wi-Fi everywhere. Like, this is like heaven. There are no Laker fans here. It's amazing. And then imagine the shame, the condemnation you're giving yourself. I messed all of it up. I had the best life, and I messed it up. Then imagine what the enemy is going to lie to you. You're not even worth loving. You're never going to go back. Some of you, you don't realize the enemy, he generally lies three ways. The first lie is this. Do it. Do it. Everyone, you're, you, you have a lack. Do it. And then you do it. He's like, oh my God. He gives you the second lie. I can't believe you did it. You're not a Christian. You're a hypocrite. Don't go to church. People like you don't go to church. They tell you to do it again. And then do it again. And you keep doing it. And then he gives you the third lie. You're always going to do this. You are your failure. You are your mistake. You're never going to be free. The enemy, the goal of the temptation is not that thing. It's to separate you from God forever. See, the, the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me give you a mental picture of what that looks like. If you go to the east side and you get mugged, they're going to take your wallet and your cell phone, and then they're going to let you go. But if Satan comes, the first thing he does, he's going to steal your cell phone and your wallet. Then he's going to kill you. He's going to stab you with a knife and kick you over. And you think, oh, at this point he's done. No, he's going to steal, kill, and then the third thing he does is destroy. He's going to cover you in gasoline and light you on fire. The goal of temptation is not to get you addicted. The goal of temptation is to get you to walk away from God forever. You need to see that. 
Read with me Revelations 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may, that they have the right to, dot, dot, dot. I didn't finish it because I want to explain the context. From Genesis to Revelations, there's the story of the scriptures. There's ups and downs. Adam and Eve are in the perfect presence of God, and then they sin, they're down. Then God starts over with Adam, and then, or Abraham, and then Abraham has kids who are cray-cray, goes down. God tries to bring out the Israelites out of slavery with Moses, and then they spend 40 years in the wilderness. And there's this up and down. And some of you, that's your walk with Christ. That's your walk with temptation. You have good days and bad days. There are days that you have victory, and then days where you are back in it again. There are days that you are up, and then days you are down. And you wonder, why am I even trying? Why even go to church? What's the point? I should just quit. I'm never going to find freedom. And that's the lie that the enemy wants to tell you. And watch how the verse changes. In verse 22, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, not because of what you have done, but because Jesus died in your place for your sins. What I love about Adam and Eve, it, it shows you a picture of Christianity. God takes an innocent animal, a lamb, who had done no sin, and he kills it. Why? It's a picture of what Jesus would do. He's the, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. And Adam and Eve, they were naked in the garden. And as they walk out, there was no ASOS. There was no H&M. They couldn't buy cheap clothes from Zara. Where did the clothes come from? God kills the innocent lamb and takes the clothes, the skin of that animal, and he clothes them. That Jesus is our righteousness. That you and I have white robes, not because we're righteous, but because we have his righteousness. Righteousness, the kind that gets you into heaven, is not something you give God. It's something God gives you. And then it continues. That they may have the right. Here it is again, the tree of life. God wants you to live forever. God wants to walk with you and have a relationship with you forever. Christianity is not about reading a book or going to a building. It's about having a relationship with the living God. Then they go through the gates into the city and the, the answer to the lie that you will never find freedom, your marriage will always be broken, you will always be addicted, is this. If I don't quit, I win. If I don't give in to my depression, I win. If I don't give up on my marriage, I win. If I don't keep praying for my kids, I win. If I don't keep praying for my family, I win. For 15 years, I prayed for my father, and last year he got saved. If I don't quit, I win. One last story. During the pandemic, there was a software developer who created this app that if you stuck your finger on it and left it there, he would give you a prize of $25,000. And because there's a lot of ratchet people in America, hundreds of thousands of people downloaded this app and stuck their finger on this app. After 70 hours, for those of you who went to public school, that's three days. Three days, people are holding their finger on an app. And the software developer calls these people and says, I'll offer you $5,000. Just remove your finger. All seven said no. I'll give you six. They all said no. I'll give you 7,000. Three of them took their finger off. And there's only four left. And it goes several more hours. And the guy's like, look, I've had enough. I'm just going to give you, all of you, $25,000. I think that's such a beautiful picture of a spiritual truth. If you don't quit, you win. The goal of temptation, I wrote it down like this. Temptation is not the devil trying to get you to, quit, to sin. Temptation is trying to get you to quit. 
So the question is not, do you sin? Because we all sin. But it's not that we become sinless when we meet Jesus. We just sin less. The question is this. Will you let the temptation make you let go? Will you let go of Jesus' hand? Because if you don't quit, you win. I believe there are some people in this room that COVID messed up your faith. Maybe, maybe this recession is messing up your faith. Maybe the habits that you used to have as a young man or a young woman of God, they're different now. And there's a season that you used to walk with God and now you no longer walk with him. There used to be a season where you, would, you couldn't wait to read your Bible. And now it's a paperweight in your house. I'm not saying these things to shame anyone because you don't need to do anything to get God to love you. But I want to challenge some of you in this room it's time to come home. It's time to return to God. Because our God is faithful. And even when you walk away, he's never walked away. He's waiting for you to come home. God is faithful even when we're unfaithful. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for you. God, I just pray for every person in this room that can hear the sound of my voice. I pray for God for those that are struggling in their walk with you, Jesus. That their faith has, has been challenging, God ever since COVID has, has ended and we've returned from online church to in-person, that their passion for you has diminished, that their life is not marked by their devotion but by their temptations. It's not marked by their obedience but by their, their lack of it. I pray for every person in this room that can hear the sound of my voice, God. But there are some of them that are, the cry of their heart is, God, I want to come home. God, I want to come home. Pray, Jesus, that you would encourage them. You would fill them with your spirit. Allow them to return to you. First John 1 says that if you confess your sins to God, you are forgiven. But James chapter 5 says that when you confess your sins to one another, you are healed. There's a healing that can't happen unless you're in community. What's your next step? For some of you, it's, it's time to get into a group. Some of you, it's it's time to join this church and go to Growth Track. For some of you, it's time to go public with your faith. In a few moments, we're going to baptize one of our very own. And maybe this is the day where you go public with your faith. For others of you, maybe this is the day where you start a relationship with the living God. This is a holy moment. If I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you want to start a relationship, with the living God, Jesus. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have to place your faith in his finished work on a cross that God left heaven, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and he died on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he resurrected, proving that his sacrifice was enough. And if you want to receive the free gift of salvation. The work of a Christian is to simply believe. And if that's you, in a moment I'm going to count to three and I want you to shoot your hand up if you've never started a relationship with Jesus before. One. Two. Three. Shoot your hand up. If that's you and you want to start a relationship with the living God. I see your hand over here. Pray this prayer out loud. 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I receive, Lord, your death in my place. I repent of my sin. I turn, God, and I come back to you. I place my faith in you. I place my hope in you. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, so I can obey you and follow you all the days of my life. And everybody said... Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.